Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome to Self-Storage Income, and what a time we are in. As always, I have my trusted co-host, Connor, here with me. How are you doing, man? Doing great, doing great. Just uh, trying to adjust to the new norm. I know a lot of people out there are uh, schooling children from home, uh, myself included. So that's uh, that's been a uh, quite the adventure that my wife and I are partaking yes. right now. <laughs> yes. I, um, my little boy comes to our empty office with with me and he'll do his online schooling in one of the offices while I sit in my office and get things done. But yeah, starting to get cabin fever. Kids are getting restless. It's been interesting because we've seen a pretty big split in what's going on in the United States, whereas you have some states that are like, we're opening. And then you have other ones that are like, we're down another month. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I think it, it obviously has to do with the impact of where it's getting hit harder. Um, I know that we've already seen, it looks like uh, in our state where we're located, Idaho was, it already peaked, they say. And uh, we haven't been hit very hard. So not hard at all, actually. Um, we're very fortunate, unlike uh, other states that have been really hit hard. Obviously, New York and others, we're, we don't even compare. It's nothing close to that. So it'll be interesting to see how this reopening happens and to the mentality and shift of the different economies across the United States and how they rebound from this. I think some aren't going to rebound quick. No, and that's really the big question, I think, in a lot of people's minds, especially investors, um, property owners, um, business owners, all that kind of stuff is... Is, I mean, we're kind of right in the beginning stages of all of this, economically speaking, and seeing how all of this is going to play out over the, over the next several months, year, multiple years coming yes. down the road. Uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, we're at record unemployment numbers. It's shocking when you see the daily unemployment numbers that are out. And it's just like you go a few days and don't think about it and then you come out and it's just millions of people in a short period of time. I mean, we're at 20 million people in the workforce, um, which to put that into perspective, I think there's only, there's not even 200 million people in the workforce, I don't believe. So it's it's a massive, massive number um, and it's escalating. So we've just locally heard that uh, school districts here um, are laying off hundreds of employees. Um, and those are school districts, government funded. So as this goes and lots of people are facing the unknown, a similar question keeps coming back up. And I think it's, is now time to buy? And that's a good question, right? Um, because it, it depends on lots of things. And obviously that's not a blanket answer. The two parts today that we want to talk about are the macroeconomic side of it and then micro, because storage facilities really, it's a microeconomic game, 
right? Your three, four, five mile radius is going to dictate so much of what happens in your self-storage facility, rents, occupancies, overall performance. You know, it really doesn't matter what's going on in another state or city, generally speaking. Now, this is different because we're all in the same boat here. We're all being affected by the same thing. And really for self-storage owners, I think what we have to keep a very close eye on is always two sides. Um, You need to talk. Supply and demand is the first. That's always extremely important. And then obviously your cost basis compared to your revenue potential, talking things like debt and an existing facility. These are known new facilities, not so much. And this is where this is where you can get a lot of people in trouble. I think right now in self storage, this is where I think the pain's going to happen. Um, we know this because we're seeing this. We're we're working with um, some banks that are going to be taking some facilities back, but these aren't existing facilities. These are they're existing, but these weren't existing leased up facilities. That's a very important distinction for individuals to make. Those two things are radically different, particularly at the point of the cycle and what we were seeing. People were building at, you know, 90-10 debt to equity ratio and they have loans coming up due construction loans coming up due or they've had a facility open for 2 years it's not filling it hasn't um, filled up and now it's stalling banks are getting impatient most of those things that are happening are independent let's say of our industry as a whole and this is a really important distinction that we need to make and i want to give you a few examples um as of right now i'm looking at something like two to four facilities a day across the nation. Dude, it's been insane. It's been nuts. <laughs> it's like a new um, one every day. Like, holy it's sucks, dude. just the, it's coming at us. And so I feel like, you know, most of my time is doing market research and underwriting, which is great because that means opportunities are, are, are here. But two, a lot of these opportunities haven't adjusted. And most of the ones that we find that are in distress, we actually don't want. Um, because the cost basis is too high. They didn't make sense in the first place. And that's the light bulb, right? Deals that didn't make sense when times were good are horrific deals when times are bad. And everybody says, yeah, no kidding. That's obvious. But no, it's not. Because I can't tell you how many deals that we were looking at four months ago when the United States was in the best position it's ever been. And we're looking at that going, whoa, you know, this is, you know, and, and they're like, it's okay. It'll work out. It'll work out in the long run. Um, you know, and then the phone rings four months later because that's not how it works. And a lot of these deals, people price in for perfection. And that's just never going to work. Um, markets aren't perfect. Um, circumstances are never perfect. And if they have to be, it's almost guaranteed that everything's going to go wrong. Right. Uh, so it's, <laughs> 100%. you know, when, when you look at this and I don't even want to say conservative underwriting, just realistic. That's you know, a really good way to put it. Common sense yeah. underwriting. If you have to make your model work to get the deal done, you shouldn't do it. And I talk to people a lot about this when you're looking at a site plan. And let's say you're talking about square footage in the market and how much that square footage can hold. And if you're like, I think I'm going to build a small facility, 40,000 square feet, because I think this market can hold 40,000 square feet, but it can't hold 80,000 square feet. 
And I go, if it can't hold 80,000 square feet, don't build it. I mean, if if you're saying it could hold 40, but not 80, that is way too close of a call to build a storage facility for most cities. Um, because the difference in amount of people, you're talking like less than a percentage of either the inventory or the total bodies in that city changes there. That means your 40% could evaporate at any time, uh, depending on lots of different circumstances. So there needs to be a very compelling reason. Like I like to say my facilities that we buy, they're going to do good and good times, bad times, normal times. Now they may not do great in bad times. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I'm not worried about them. And we bought them that way, right? You make your money when you buy or you know, when you build, the cost basis coming in should be so low. I mean, we're looking at some conversions that we're doing right now. The cost basis of these are half the cost basis of what people are either building or selling at on uh, in today's market. When you look at that, the revenue, I'm like, I'm break even at 40% occupancy. Th- those numbers just make sense all day long, right? I don't need it to be stellar. I don't need to absolutely murder it. it. It's just, it needs to be good. It's a good investment. It'll perform really well. Um, I'm not working on thin, on a, on a thin line. And uh, the people that were on that thin line are getting hurt and not the people, the industry overall, I, I see, we see delinquencies starting to rise. I mean, I think that's everybody. We haven't seen that so much, but we've been a, a little, our markets tend to have been a little off. We expect to see this month, uh, uh, a much higher rise in delinquencies because the unemployment's catching up in our markets. And that's that's natural. That's going to happen. So if if you're a developed facility and you're 50% occupied and you need 65% to break even, and now you can't fill up, but plus that, you start losing people and people stop paying and you have a 15% delinquencies, um, you're really, really short. And right now, banks are not patient. And as this goes on, the capital markets are in trouble. I got off the phone this morning with our brokers out of Chicago, and the markets are deteriorating rapidly. And one of the reasons they're deteriorating, and people don't understand this, and I want to explain this, although interest rates have hit all-time lows, like on the Fed level, and everybody's looking at it, say, man, interest rates are zero, but then they go to a bank and the bank's like, yeah, four or above. And they're going, that's higher than it was three months ago. Well, what's happening is the good banks and the financial institutions that are lending, they have their pick. They have the cream of the crop right now. So they're being very selective and they have tons of opportunities because of how the market is. So they're putting a floor at 4%. And they're just saying, no, we're just going to, we're going to make it. And two, they're also putting a floor because they're embedding risk. They go, this isn't going away and it's going to get worse. So the the spread, they want to make that spread to compensate for the risk. And not only do they want to make the spread to compensate for the risk, but they have the opportunity. So I can't tell you how many how many calls I've gotten and said, my bank turned me down, where should I go? And turned me down the week of signing. Or like, after. Or after. <laughs> we signed and then I called it up. Yeah, yeah, no, we're not doing this anymore. Dude, it's insane. Um, and they're just pulling out. And, and most of those deals that we see are based upon a few things. Um, they're, you know, banks are really back in the jockey that's going to get that horse across the line. And we just see that uniformly. Uh, I think we may have talked about this in the last episode, but yeah, and, and about how 
you can team up or go find. If you're having trouble getting financing, go get an experienced operator and allow them to come in, do things because they are, they're, they're choosy. And you coming in and saying, I've never done this. I have no interest. You know, if you're doing a big facility or large facility, 85,000 square feet, 100,000 square feet, um, you've got to have a compelling story to tell that bank. You got to have a good amount to put down and you're not getting a 3% interest rate. Um, Generally speaking, of course, there are always exceptions to this rule, but I'm talking about all terms being equal. So I want good terms. Maybe you want things. One thing that we find now that has been good, Comparatively speaking, by the way, I'm not saying 4% is a bad interest rate. I mean, if you took in the history of the United States, 4% is still an all-time low. But some of the other ones that you're seeing are things like IO, interest only, that you can get for years out, which generally speaking, I, I don't like IOs because I like that debt being paid down. But if you have a low debt to equity ratio right now, um, then I'm fine with IO because you don't know maybe what's going to happen in the next year or two. So having that extra cash flow coming in will, will probably be beneficial and good. And so it'll set you in a better spot for the unknown. Um, so is now time to buy? Okay, we're, we're, we're walking through this um, because it depends on your market, the situation. But I've turned away from two portfolio deals now that were in distressed to the point that the bank was taking it back in 30 days. Those deals, I would not buy just taking off what's on the balance sheet because it was done. The deal wasn't a good deal. So they're asking 10 million. They got 8.5 on the balance sheet. Even at the 8.5, it's too high. It needs to be six. Um, Those deals don't work. And those deals wouldn't have been really probably even worked when times were good. So Warren Buffett has a famous line that says, you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide goes out, right? And then everybody's standing there and you can see who's swimming naked. Economic recessions and depressions show all our true colors. It shows the performance of the facilities you're in. It shows how how, uh, economically sustainable the business model is. And this is why we're in storage. This is why we love storage. Look at our asset class compared to others today. I got to tell you, I sleep fine at night. Um, I have friends that own hotels. I have friends that own restaurants. Um, if you listen to our other podcast, Cash Flow to Freedom, we interview some of these people and these other business models. Um, and you know what? It's it's scary. I, I went and spent time with them as we as we talk about how they're pivoting and how they're changing. We, we don't have those problems in this. I, I got to tell you, I, I've said it once, if <laughs> not a million times, self-storage is the greatest asset class to create wealth and income that exists today. That hasn't changed. Now, it doesn't also hasn't changed, though, that if you did something stupid in self-storage, it doesn't matter what asset class you're in. I don't care if you're in hotels. I don't care if you're in self-storage. Something. If you're doing bad business and you're constructing a deal that's bad, then it's going to die. There's two things that kill storage facilities. You need to understand this. And if you get anything out of this, this is what you need to know. Don't make this overcomplicated. There's two death nails. The first is simple, supply and demand, okay? Storage follows a supply and demand model. If you are in an overbuilt market, 
then you are at much greater risk to die because storage units to some extent are a commodity. Now, I do not believe that across the board, right? I outperform my competitors because we have good business operations. We have a good model. We have looks. We provide value. And so people choose us over them. But at the end of the day, in an oversupplied market, all rents and vacancies, and then even the good guys start competing for space, revenues start to fall. It's just, you can't fight too much supply. Demand goes down. No one's there to buy your product. Don't overcomplicate it. If you're in a market where you're like, "Uh, I don't know how much there is, just stay away. The second thing is debt. Okay, Real estate is the best asset class in the world because outside debt, you can almost never lose it. I mean, yeah, there's lawsuits, things like that. But even in storage facilities, if I buy a storage facility with zero debt and I am the worst operator in the city, I'm still going to be fine. And that's a beautiful thing, right? So as long as there's demand and my expenses are so low that I can fill it up, I could be the lowest charging price person in the entire city and do basically nothing, have horrible collections, add no value Add opportunity and you're going to cash flow and be fine. Go. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's right. (laughs) Don't do that. But the point being is those are the two things that kill you. Okay. Oversupplied markets and debt. And you accrue debt by accruing too much capital expenses on the front end or buying it wrong. That's what had happened here to this facility. The capital expenditure to build the facility was huge, 8.5 million. And everybody's like, that's not that much. It was a 40,000 square foot facility. That's a ton, dude. That's a ton for that small of a facility. And the rents in in the, the area, they were not high, high rents. We're not just, you know, we're not talking New York City here. We're not talking two bucks a square foot a month. That's not how this worked, right? So, I don't know who was doing the math, but it would have never worked. And when I look at things like this, it was in an oversupplied market and it was, you know, it was too much capital expenses. So it was debt ridden. I couldn't change that. So you walk away. So when you're evaluating opportunities, look at the supply and demand, and then look at what the capital expenditures and debt way that you're going to have to do it. If you say, yeah, but I'm such an amazing marketer. I think I can fill it up when nobody else could. Don't do it. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Warren Buffett because I'm not that smart. So I got to keep things simple, right? And he has a way of dumbing it down for me in that Midwestern, you know, talk that I love. But he's he buys businesses that, you know, will succeed even if an idiot runs it. I like that because sometimes I can be an idiot, right? And so I want to make sure my investments can survive good times, bad times, but I also don't have to knock it out of the park. I am extraordinarily competitive and I want to not only beat everyone in my market, I want to crush them. But I don't buy an asset that only works if I crush everyone in the market. Mm-hmm. That, right. That's not what I'm talking about. And by crushing, I just mean outperforming, right? That I do better than them. I get the highest rents per square foot. I have the highest occupancies, but I can't buy an asset that I have to hit the top. I have to be number one, right? This is a technology play, which I hate because technology are aggregators. So it's an all or nothing, right? So a winner takes all model, right? You have one Facebook, you have one Google, you may have two or three, but all the rest of them failed. Self-storage isn't like that. You can be successful at self-storage. I can be successful at self-storage. 
every single person listening to this podcast can create massive wealth and income through self-storage. It's a beautiful thing. So put your thinking cap on, analyze the market, supply, demand, look at your cost into it. What are your operational margins? Make sure your debt's not going to take you down. And make sure too, by the way, that you can do this even in bad times. Can you survive if delinquencies go up and occupancy drops? If you can't, well, then you are buying that facility to run at perfection. Um, Once again, give yourself some breathing room to not be perfect. Don't expect so much out of yourself. So that's the first thing that we look at. If it's time, is it time to buy? Well, it's time to buy as much as it was today, 10 years ago, and two years ago. That depends on the deal. Now, I don't time markets. I don't believe in it. Um, What we do notice, though, in some market circumstances, returns more facilities that go to the market meet returns that fit our criteria of purchasing for acquisition. So in general, do I think we're going to have more opportunities? Well, in the last two years, I bought one facility and right now we're looking at at least a dozen. So yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities that are going to meet our criteria. Um, I am prepped for the next um, two, three years to expand our portfolio massively. We're under contract with one right now. Um, We are looking at uh, portfolio, three developments that we're looking at um, doing right now. So we are very active in all aspects of this business currently. We have two conversions. We have three ground up. We have portfolio acquisitions of four plus facilities. We're under contract in one um, and they keep coming and the opportunities keep coming. Now, out of all the opportunities that we get, We'll probably close on 10% of them, but at the rate the opportunities are coming to our way, that's going to be a lot of facilities that are going to meet those uh, requirements. And remember too, this isn't a one-shot, you're done kind of game. So that one great opportunity that you have to get into the self-storage industry, it's not your only opportunity. Another one's going to come. If that one doesn't make sense, walk away, just pass it up. You're going to find more. And the more that you go and the more you look at opportunities, the more you look at deals, the more you'll see the opportunity, right? Find other people that are smarter than you, call them up and say, why will this deal fail? Don't ask people why the deal will succeed because you can make up all sorts of things to make a deal succeed. And you are already doing that. That's why you want to buy it. What you care about is why will it fail? And I go to lots of smart people and I ask them. Why is this going to fail? What do I not see? That's what I want to know, right? And I appreciate it when I get that feedback because I can underwrite for it. I can look at it. I can weigh my pros and opportunities. Remember, when you're talking to people that have interest in you getting that deal done to get paid, they're going to see very few opportunities why it will fail because if it fails, that means they're not getting paid. So go to people that are going to give you an honest answer, not your mother, okay? (laughs) Um, I know, I know. <laughs> There's not, a good, there goes my plan, dude. Exactly. Game and over. not the contractor that you're hiring to build the facility. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, look around. So that's, uh, yes, now is a time to buy, but I say it in preference to, it was also time to buy a year ago when a lot of the people that were building or bought are in trouble today, um, which once again, I got to tell you, I don't want you to think that the market's being flooded with facilities. The ones that I see that are in trouble, they they would have been, I don't, 
it's not like they would have been okay six months ago. Yeah, they were already bad. They were already bad. Right. So it, the good deals, I, we just bought a deal last fall, right? Am I wishing that I didn't buy that facility now that I just bought eight months ago? Absolutely not. If another deal like that came up, I would buy it again today at the same price um, because the deal just, it was a good deal. It made sense. So that's, that's what we're talking about here. And so is it time to buy? Yes, it is. If the deal's right. If it's a bad deal, don't buy. And I don't want that to sound vague. And I don't want to be like, oh, that's a cop out to give a good answer. No, that's not a cop out to give you a good straight answer. That is the answer. And that's an answer that will be every single day, right? Now, when I look at the risk moving forward and people say, but aren't you worried about you know the uh, overall economic risk and how we move forward? Of course, always. Always. And if things deteriorated rapidly, yeah, I may I may say go no, we're not gonna spend, we're not gonna do the deals because we have much a lot bigger problems. Unemployment's a serious issue. It is. Um, because delinquencies are gonna rise. Will we have to embed that into our acquisitions? Of course we will. We'll underwrite it for it. We'll know. We'll look at the cities. We'll do do our good good underwriting when we're doing it. Um, but I can yes, I'll, I'm gonna keep doing deals. And we will for years to come. Um, I believe that this will be over shortly, but the effects won't. Okay. So the cause of the crisis, the COVID-19 lockdowns, which really COVID-19 is not the economic crisis. The lockdown is. Now, the, obviously the lockdown is caused by COVID-19, but it's important to understand the distinction between the two because COVID-19 is not going anywhere, but the lockdown may. So the lockdown can get lifted, but COVID-19 is not leaving. So that means in the fall, and that also means a lot of activities that were done one month ago, they're going to lift the lockdown, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to snap back and go exactly, not everybody's going to go run to the movie theater, right? That's not happening because COVID-19 will still be there. So, that, But what is crushing our economy, which is the lockdown, yes, it will be gone in a month or two, or the economy will be gone. So either way, it's going to be gone, right? Um, but it, it's, you know, I think we have a couple more months at, at most of real massive heavy government intervention. And Yes, I know I'm speculating, but that's underwriting, and that's what we're doing when we're underwriting facilities. So I'm put, we're putting our our money behind it, and we uh, believe that that's a safe, logical process for the economy to go through, and that our investments in that will be fine and perform well when we come out of it. Now, are there benefits to storage during this time? Yes, there are benefits to storage. Um, one of the benefits is because people are locked down, they're generally not moving out of your facility. It's a lower cost item. So people aren't leaving. So um, some of these economic um, effects on self-storage are good. The banks pulling money from developers that were developing in oversupplied markets, this is good, right? You know, recessions are a natural part of it. We need them. They create opportunities and they make a healthy general market. This is nothing like anything we've ever seen, nor did we ever want. Obviously, this is horrible because this is predicated on the backs of lives that are lost, which is devastating. And that is, you know, you hope that there's a contraction in the market because interest rates rise, not because, you know, people are losing family members. I mean, that's, it's, it's horrific. 
Um, so, but we do believe that this time will pass. There will be opportunity in storage and there is today. So we're, we have a bigger pipeline than we've ever had. And so should you, if you're trying to get into storage, now has been the best time in years that we've had for you to be out cold calling, for you to be filling in your acquisition pipeline. It is the best time we've had in a long time for that purpose. So get out there, knock on the doors, pick up the phone, make phone calls, start networking. I know you're in your house, but start calling, right? Don't be sitting there saying there's nothing I can do. That's not true. The internet gives you access to everything. Jump on Google Maps, start making your lists, accumulating data, making phone calls, shaking trees and seeing what comes loose. And that's how you're going to find the deals. Absolutely. And uh, we've got a playbook on the website that walks through all of that. Super awesome resource. You guys just go on the website and grab it. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. So that's an awesome deal. But I wanted to touch on too, that just how I know you mentioned, uh, you know, you didn't want any of this, this advice or any of these words in this podcast to seem like a cop out or anything, any of that kind of stuff. Just the answer is what it is. I think this time or any recession or correction is a perfect case study for the different assets and storage being what it is now and seeing how things are structured with our storage facilities where, I mean, everything from the specific kind of customers that we target, the way that we operate, the underwriting, the way we purchase, the way we buy, all of these things, you can see how it all works now and why it works the way it does and why, like you were saying, you can put your head down and sleep at night. And I think it's a really important thing to mention again and just reiterate that this is this is the process no matter what the time is. It doesn't matter if there's a correction going on or if times are great like several months ago. It just you are taking these calculations, you're making those choices, those decisions, you're underwriting them, planning for them. This is already a part of the process. This I mean it, right now is no different than it was several months ago or any time before that. I, th- I think it's just an awesome thing to see how everything is playing out now and how all of that works in these times like this. You know, and it and it's hard. It's hard not doing deals when everybody else is. You know, right, right. I remember sitting at these conventions, um, you know, we had John Lindsay on and we've had others and we're sitting there and we're just like, I just can't decide if we're just stupid. Everybody's doing deals. I'm sitting on my hands and I'm like, gosh, you know, it gets frustrating because you're like, at some point, maybe we should just start doing deals, but that would break the system that's designed to protect you during these times. Your criteria is your criteria. Exactly. You got to stick to it. And you stick to it and don't spreadsheet your way to a deal as in. I can't tell you how many times people just go back to the spreadsheet and a spreadsheet that didn't look great all of a sudden does after four or five revisions. Yeah. And now they're doing the deal. And yeah. you're like, well, that changed a lot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing don't on do there? That. So don't don't do that. Make sure it's a good sound deal. Yep. Um, and use logic and Yes, get out there and do the good deals. Yep, absolutely. That's a beautiful thing, man. A good deal is a good deal, period. No matter yep. when. No matter when. Yep. Oh, that's awesome, dude. 
Well, uh, definitely keep up to date with us on the uh, Self Storage Income website. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Go on uh, our keep Instagram, in touch. Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. We're um, doing stuff all the time. Yep. Uh, we love it. Uh, love to hear from you guys too. So if you're if you an have, operator, call in. If yeah, you'd like to yeah. talk to us and tell us what's going on. We also uh, are trying to have good people on the podcast. So uh, reach out to us if you uh, are in the industry. Um, we, we'd love to have a discussion with you. For sure. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks we'll so catch much. you next time. See ya.